how can something that feels so right possibly be wrong? That's a question that popular culture has been pondering, well, almost as long as popular culture has existed. And today we're going to talk about how that idea continues to show up in entertainment and how it's evolving too. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Entertainment can compel us to think deeply about the issues of our day, but I suggest that perhaps more often, entertainment drives us to make decisions based on feelings over more objective information or truth. And especially as we raise children who can be more vulnerable to emotional arguments over logic or truth-based arguments, it's critical that we engage them in ways that teach and guide them through this seductive cultural lie. Well, joining me for our conversation today are Bob Hoos, Kristen Smith, and Jonathan McKee. Well, to get us started, what is a movie that you have seen at some point, maybe recently, maybe when you were much younger, that tempted you to buy into something that you knew wasn't true? Well, I'd have to say Star Wars. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I knew that those spaceships and all the battles and the lightsabers, they weren't, they weren't real. real That's but right. I just wanted to believe. <laughs> I wanted to do so. the Kessel Run. I still believe. Okay, but yeah. seriously, I, I, if I was going to throw out a, a, a movie... Because when uh, when you mentioned this, the first thing that came to mind was was an older movie called Goodwill Hunting. Mm. Oh yeah, um, which it was a Robin Williams Matt Damon film about a janitor who was actually a brilliant mathematician. But uh, the the film had a lot going for it. It was a very compelling story, and it really was very involving and all that. But the thing that it had was all this foul language. I remember mm. when I saw it, thinking. Man, I've never seen so much foul language in a film. Of course, nowadays it's like right, nothing. But it's the first uh, twenty minutes, yeah. But it was it was <laughs> so packed with profanity, and and I, I I really didn't like the film because of that. And it and it felt like it was promoting that and saying this is the norm. Everybody mm. talks like this. Mm. Uh, and and that really bothered me about the film. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, that, that that film was definitely packed with with language. You know, when I was in high school, a movie came out that was Patrick Swayze, and he was this guy who was really good at kicking butt. And he worked at a bar, and the movie was called Roadhouse. Roadhouse. I'll take Roadhouse for five hundred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was, I was like thinking. I think I had to even like sneak out to go see it or whatever. But for me, I was this young kid who had like been bullied a bunch, and I had dealt with like a bunch of dudes who would always be like, "Hey, you can't do that." And I kind of felt like you know. I when I saw Patrick Swayze, this nice guy, who you know was the good guy who wanted to solve problems. By kicking butt, you know, no, honestly, it just, it was one of those, like, it, it literally was just this film that uh, I, I was like, oh man, this, I, I thought it was the greatest thing because I had done martial arts and he did martial arts. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if martial arts solved all my problems? I was like, yeah, this, this film, man, this, this is where it's at. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's what you're looking for that, but that was the one that was my, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
I can't even finish the sentence. What, <laughs> what, <laughs> a total lie. That's your answer yeah. to my question. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss of words. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't want to be like in martial arts or anything or beat anybody <laughs> up. Or I mean, I'm sure it would have been great. But I was the oldest of seven, so I, you know, got to roll over my siblings. So I didn't need that. But uh, <laughs> I don't like recently, I, I really couldn't think of anything when I was younger, but I reviewed a few years back, The Kissing Booth, which was a movie on Netflix. Mm. And I was blown away by everyone doing whatever they felt. And they're all teenagers. And it was like a borderline pornographic movie for teenagers, like rated MA. And I was just sitting there having the creepiest feeling, first of all, that I was an adult watching this, but reviewing it, let me just clarify. But, <laughs> but <laughs> Thank also, you for the clarification. <laughs> that all the teens are really, they're really encouraged to do whatever, even by parents, like parental figures in the right. movie. It's like, oh, you're feeling this? Well, then you should just go off of your feelings, whether it's do you want to sleep with this guy or you want to tell this person off or you want to do this. There's really not any kind of direction or guidance, which the whole thing, I'm like, this is a disaster. Mm. So that was my... Well, and that's what we're going to be talking about today is just how our culture absolutely packages that lie. Yeah. That if we are feeling something strongly... There's no way that feeling could be wrong, right? You know that yeah. that we couldn't feel something so so deeply if it was somehow problematic. And obviously, Scripture has lots of other things to say about that. You know, not the least of which is the proverb that says, "There is a way that seems right to man, uh, but in the end, it leads to death." And actually, mm -hmm. if you read Proverbs straight through, there are a lot of paths that lead to death, <laughs> even though in the moment. <laughs> they feel like yeah. the feel good yeah. um, thing. And, and speaking of paths that lead to death, that brings me to my movie, which is The Perfect Storm. Mm. Um, and oh, this yeah. is based on a true story about some fishermen in Massachusetts, yeah. I believe, uh, who um, know that there's a nor'easter, which people in Boston know what nor'easters are. But if yeah. you don't live in Boston, it's a, it's a really big storm, right? You don't <laughs> want to be on a boat big in, storm. A, in a nor'easter. Um, yeah. And... They know it's coming in, but they've also had a really lousy fishing season. And they think maybe, you know, there's this old myth that before the storm comes in, the fish bite. And right. um, although commercial fishing is really not about fish biting. But anyway, I digress. So uh, Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney and, and a bunch of guys that tend to be in movies with those guys get on a boat and head out into this storm. And I tell you what you absolutely cheer for their stupidity, you know? <laughs> and especially because it's based on a true story. Yeah. Spoiler warning, the boat just straight up disappears in the ocean. You know, these guys aren't coming back. Um, and, and yet there was something about the movie that makes you feel, ah, here are these guys just being men and pursuing their passion and going forward and taking a risk. And on some level those are good things. But on another right. level, it's sort of like, oh, here comes a hurricane. Let's go get in the boat and go fishing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, well, we know where this is going to end up, and it did. Yeah. But that's what movies do. They tempt us to sort of set aside reason, to set aside truth. And it's not just movies. We're going to talk about entertainment in general. So this can happen with a TV show. It can happen with music. You know, I think it can even happen with a video game because video mm -hmm. games are so narratively oriented these days. Sure, sure. Um, and so I think all of us can agree that pop culture 
can produce these deep feelings. And sometimes, maybe especially when we least expected them, um, and it's, I think it's really easy to want to let those good feelings wash over us without critically thinking about them. Mm. Um, but as we've talked about, pop culture tempts us to take another step, which is to say, if these feelings are so strong, uh, they have to be true, or at least true for you, even if that's at the expense your of... Your truth. Yeah, your truth of cultural or religious norms. And so if you Google the phrase it feels so right, it can't be wrong, you'll find a long list of songs that go, and I didn't even know this, all the way back to Elvis Presley, who I think was the first one to deliver some kind of iteration of that phrase, that essentially make this very argument that emotions should be our guide, not Mm. principles or truths. And sometimes it even shows up in places that would surprise us. I was thinking back to the show Happy Days, which I remember as being relatively innocent, but thinking back on it, there was actually a lot of innuendo involved. And they had two theme songs. The original was the Bill Haley and the Comets Rock Around the Clock. But but the second one has a line that says, Goodbye, gray sky. Hello, blue. I'm not going to sing it, so you can be relieved of that. Come on. Come on. (laughs) No, no. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. Feel so right, it can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all week long, you know, and these days are ours. See, it's hard not to sing it. Uh, So it it shows up constantly. And that leads me to my first question. With that in mind, what are some examples? And they can be as old as Elvis or Happy Days or as recent as, uh, you know, the kissing booth or anything in between. What are some examples that show us and emphasize our feelings over exercising self-control or restraint because of a higher principle? Oh, man. I have one, well, I don't know if this movie best describes this, but I remember watching Walk the Line Mm. and something in there that I remember like feeling as a teenager and and really realizing is that affairs and like these sticky emotional, emotional affairs that you can have when you're married are are fairly common in Hollywood Mm. and they're completely accepted. Like if you're feeling this and this is kind of the way you want to go and this person really isn't. Um, fulfilling your needs, your emotional needs, whatever anymore, then it's normal for you to do what you want, the thing that liberates you mm-hmm. because you are feeling it in the moment. And in fact, you're being true to yourself. You're being so true you to yourself. That. Yes, exactly. Right. So that is a huge thing. I mean, I, we had a lot, like growing up in high school, um, There, I had a lot of family drama. We'll just leave it at that. And so watching any kind of movie like that really hit home because mm. I mean, it's a lie and you're choosing mm. selfishness. You're choosing yourself over the commitment that you made. Mm. So, yeah. well, and speaking of, I mean, you sort of opened the door to sexuality and that's, a, that's a big thing in, yeah. in movies these days. Um, I, I thought of several, uh, basic in- instinct, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, showgirls, mm-hmm. 50 shades of gray. Those are all the kinds of films yeah. that they, 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 they're main, very mainstream films that draw you in with a, with a story that they hope is compelling. Yeah. And at the same time, they're focusing on things like pornography and these mm-hmm. twisted sexual behaviors. And, and they get us as viewers to focus on those things too. Yeah. And, and even, even a film like Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. if you think back to that one, that was a, that was a heartfelt, emotional, romantic relationship between two gay men. And that, that alone swept people into it and had them walking out thinking, oh, you know, maybe I better rethink what I think well, about and we, uh, 
gay relationships. One of them is married, and we actually end up, I mean, the movie wants us to yes. root for him to leave his wife right. to be with this guy. You know, it's interesting because there's obviously, Bob, I'm glad you uh, brought up, you know, some of those, you know, very obvious ones where I think that sometimes when it comes to governing, you know, and, and trying to help our kids make good decisions, mm. sometimes those are in a way almost obvious. Like, well, well, of course, you know, right. you can't watch, you know, basic instinct or whatever, you know, with the, whatever today's 20 year later version of that is or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting when you start to see some of these subtle ones yeah. that, that they seem like on the outside completely good. And it's, and looking at like the top charts over the years, um, Kristen, I can't remember if you were in high school when like Miley had the uh, can't stop where she was, you know, Lottie Dottie, we like to party, dancing with Molly, doing whatever we want. Yeah. And she kept, you know, it's our party. We can do what we want. Uh It's our party. We can say what we want. It's our party. We can love who we want. We can kiss who we want. And she goes on, you know, but I mean, that the whole song was we can Mm -hmm. do what we want. And it was like this super popular song. And and. For a lot of parents, it was like, okay, here's a song with no language. Um, it's not necessarily talking about sleeping around, although she does allude to it. Um, you know, so they were like, oh, well, sure, you can listen to that. And there's tons of stuff like that. Uh, same time, uh, Kristen will probably know it, the the Chainsmokers. The song was 12 consecutive weeks in uh, 2016. I know it's Kristen, mm-hmm. Kristen was married at that one, but you know, um, <laughs> he's he's uh, you know they're singing to each other, and, and he's like, "No, now you're looking pretty in a hotel bar, and I can't stop. No, uh-huh. I can't stop. So, uh-huh. baby, pull me closer in the backseat of your Rover. You know, and this was this was the one again where it has that same kind of I can't stop message. Uh, and and speaking of songs that spent. 12 weeks of the charts. Uh, how about Black Eyed Peas, I've Got a Feeling? Mm. Uh, you know, everybody loves that song. Super Bowl halftime show song that where, everybody where was. Where then, Kristen? All oh, right, guys. I was just <laughs> yeah. born. I really have no relevant yeah. I'm going I mean, back to Kristen's music history there at that. But <laughs> no, but I mean, it's interesting because that was, you know, the let's live it up. I've got money. Let's spend it up. Yeah. I know we'll have a ball. We'll, we'll go out and lose it all. Yeah. And it's funny, these words you always hear. I feel stressed. I want to let it go. Let's go way out, spaced out, and lose all control. Mm-hmm. Constantly hear these. You know, and it's just the subtle stuff. And again, parents aren't like, let's turn this trash off. And I wouldn't even go as far to say it's trash. I and mean, musically, some of these songs you know, were pretty good. But I just say there's this subtle message that's constantly kind of like, hey, you know what? What feels good you know, just let it go. Lose control. It's okay if you're yeah. stressed out. You know, find these escapes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I wanted to pick a song, too, that is an older one that it was years and years later, I found myself singing it. I mean, like decades later, maybe in my <laughs> 30s or 40s. I don't even remember when it was. And like this light bulb went on. Holy cow. This song is really naughty. <laughs> uh, and it's Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners from 1982, which was a huge one hit wonder. Don't even know what that is. Okay, well, look it up. This oh is gosh. part of Kristen's <laughs> ongoing education. I yeah, guarantee wow. you've heard it before, but you just don't know the name of it. Probably. Um, but, you know, it's this fun ska, you know, sort of rock and horns song. And and he says, come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear, at this moment, you mean everything. Um, and that's the argument, right? Now, right? It's like, yeah. at this moment, here's what I'm feeling. And so... 
later he goes on, come on, Eileen, let's take off everything. I'm like, this whole song is about this guy trying to get a girl to take her clothes off. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'd sung it for years and years and years and never really thought about, oh, this is a really terrible song lyrically. And because it's such a feel good song, if you were alive back then, uh, or if your parents were alive back then, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, you could just, and as a, as a kid, I was 12 when this song came out, you can just sort of bebop along and sing it and not really think about it. Um, but those ideas and those words are in there. And I think that's the way it is when we're feeling good about something that we're less likely to take a step back and say, wow, how should I be thinking about this? And I think that can be true with music, with movies, with television. You know, if you binge four episodes of something in a row or six or eight, you know, are you really stopping to think about what this is doing? Or if you listen to a tune, you know, 130 times, yep. do you even think about it at that point? Right. I, I mean, those those words are, are echoing over and over and over and over in your mind, and you're not even, you're not even thinking, just like, come on, Eileen. Yep. Well, we've talked a little bit about sexuality being one area in which we're tempted to believe something that is not true. What are some other areas that we see in pop culture uh, where we see arguments for a position, an idea, uh, a behavior that if we took a step back, we would probably recognize as really problematic. But because the movie makes us feel good about it, maybe we're less critical of it. I think the most out of everything we were saying, this this is what came to mind that being completely in the present is the only thing that matters and it's the most important as opposed to like we, you guys were talking about you know thinking about you, the fact that your your actions have consequences <clears throat> and movies usually don't express that clearly um, because they end before the consequence comes yeah or the song ends before the consequence comes or we don't really factor in anyone else's emotional state because we're so concerned with ourselves and how we feel and so I think that's a lot that's played into um, even like what's everything that's happening currently everything that you hear everything that you see is this is what I'm gonna do in the moment And we're not really thinking about everybody else. And that's a huge issue because what we do impacts the people around us, whether we want it to or not, whether these influencers want little kids to be affected, whether these former Disney stars that are now putting out all this music and all this stuff, whether they want people to be affected by it or not, because they're thinking this isn't my responsibility. Well, well, you had a young following and, and you still have a young following and here you are and you're doing these things and they're watching you. Yeah. So... So we certainly get people creating content and, and what you're saying, I think is they don't want to take responsibility for right. the, the influence they because have. Because it's a lot. Right. It's a lot, and, right. and, it's a lot and, of pressure. And as you were saying, Adam, it covers a lot of areas. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I automatically, when you raised the question, uh, thought of uh, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, yeah. You know, which, was, which had a big impact on our culture because it got people talking about suicide yeah. and 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 you know the 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 show itself used this young girl's suicide to raise a lot of questions about how we relate to one another how we uh treat one another things mm-hmm. like that it it actually raised good questions but it focused so heavily on a young girl's suicide right. that it got a lot of young people actually thinking about it no i think that's a that's a terrific example because even the producers, I mean, Selena Gomez was one of the executive producers, and, yeah. and she said, I got involved with this because I wanted to be involved with a great story that encouraged kids not to take their lives. But the problem is the story was so well done. Yeah. I mean, and not from a, 
a moral perspective, but it's it's well crafted. Right. It's an engaging story um, that it actually still ended up romanticizing suicide. And there were some studies that would indicate a possible correlation between an increase in suicides after the show came out. Right. This is okay. So this I I thought so it it also not only with suicide, but anxiety. Right. Mm. This is this is a huge I mean, anxiety is real. I feel anxious often about lots of things, but we have really become a culture where you have anxiety. You like this is just something that you carry with you. You can't get rid of it. I understand. And there are, there are parameters for that. Like, please hear me. But like I pulled up scripture and the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but mm-hmm. in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So when we're pulling up scripture to help balance all these things we're feeling, there there is some truth. There is truth that we're supposed to stand in no matter how we feel. It does not mean we ignore how we feel. We don't mm. process it. We don't go to counseling. We don't get healthy. I mean, I go to counseling, right? I think the, the funny like um, millennial term is, well, my counselor said, well, my counselor <laughs> did say that I need a counseling and this was good for us because I think a lot of what's happened too is that we've come from a previous generation where maybe no one address their feelings. Like mm. my grandma shared so many stories with me that were traumatic. And I'm like, there's, you never went to counseling. You never talked to anybody about this stuff. That's an issue. But here we are presently where maybe all we do is talk about what we feel and then our feelings rule us and we have no ground. Mm. That's a great observation, Kristen. Well, and Kristen, I'm so glad that you brought up scripture because, you know, and you mentioned the words you said, talked about taking a stand, man. And if we don't stand, you know, they, it's like they say, if you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. And that's kind of a description of our culture is our culture is trying to just kind of blindly walk around and figure things out with, with no foundation, you know, no plumb line, uh, nothing to weigh this with. And so in every one of those situations, if you're just trying to weigh it based on what you feel, um, you know, what feels right at the moment, I feel angry, maybe I should hit the person, you know, there, there's so many things that if you navigate feelings, um, versus a sense of morality, which guides you on this. And that's where we're kind of fooling ourselves if we aren't spending time in scripture. And, and here's where, and we've said this so many times on this podcast, but I think it's just such a great parenting principle. Sometimes as parents, we have a tendency to overreact and maybe like, oh, I just, I just gotta, I gotta block all these things for my kids. That, that, that's the answer. Block everything, mm-hmm. block the bad. But remember, you know, I think, I think one of the big mistakes I made as a parent is I was so busy blocking the bad. Uh, I, I forgot to talk about the truth enough. And mm-hmm. I think what we need to really do is remember that as we can help our kids get into scriptures, we read it together as a family, as we, as we, uh, you know, dialogue about scripture and share it and make sure that they're plugged into a church and plugged into a youth group. The more they hear the truth, the more they're going to be able to recognize these lies. Um, and, and as much as we can use good discernment and teach them to say, Hey, you know, I probably shouldn't watch this or I shouldn't listen to this. Um, the key isn't blocking out the lies. The key is really telling them the truth. And I think, too, with all these, I agree with you. With a lot, okay, I remember when I was a teenager, right? Emotions ruled everything. And if I'm not careful, emotions can still rule everything now. But especially when I was a teenager, I don't know if their brain wasn't fully developed, what was going on. It, it ruled everything. But <laughs> um, I remember seeing on Pinterest, there was this... Um, box and on the left side it had all the things you felt and on the right side it was God's truth and scripture about what you felt and 
when we were youth pastors a few years back, I, we, my husband and I kind of crafted that whole thing and we put it up and, and we let the kids look at it and we handed them all out a copy. And we're like, because for me, this carried me through. Like I might be feeling this, but I need to practice what the Bible says. I need to practice what the truth is regardless of what I'm feeling. Hmm. Well, and I think that as parents, we want to be a resource for our kids. Yeah. We want to Definitely. help them. And we're going to talk some more about that. Kristen, I'm so glad that you brought up counseling because I think the reality is um, we need help sometimes. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we're trying to help our kids, but sometimes our kids need help that we can't give them. Mm-hmm. Um I'll just say two of my three kids are in counseling right now for anxiety related issues. I struggle with anxiety, yeah. Um, so I. but even sometimes struggling with it ourselves doesn't give us the ability to help our kids. Yeah. And so one of the things that we offer at focus on the family is help. If you decide that you would like to pursue counseling, you can call 800 a family and speak with one of our counselors who will help you take those first steps at finding somebody in your area uh, that can help you to deal with issues that, that maybe you or somebody in your family needs help with. Uh, And speaking of helping, I want to talk about uh, a little bit more about how we help our children learn to identify and process this emphasis on letting our emotions rule the way we make decisions. Um, How do we help them begin to take that step beyond just letting feelings be the barometer for everything they do? And we're all parents here, so we can speak from experience. I don't have any older kids, so I'll just quickly speak to talk. But your young children don't have any feelings, though. Oh, they they? have so many feelings. (laughs) No one knows how to regulate anything. Um, But something I've been practicing with my three and a half year old is before we, you know, I take him to school. I'm like, okay, buddy, if someone does something you don't like and you feel this way or you get upset, what can you do? And he says, I can take a deep breath. I can tell my teacher, you know, so we kind of like work through all these regulating emotions because you have them and they're valid. Like you can't ignore emotions. And that's part of, you know, what we've been talking about, too. Like you can't ignore they're there. They just don't have to reign supreme. That's right. So and no matter what the age, when you're starting really young or if you're starting in the teen years, uh, because sometimes parents don't get involved with kids as much as they should when they're real young. But wherever you're starting, wherever you're jumping in right now, communication is the key. We've said that over and over mm-hmm. and over. It's not necessarily, yes, you can look at, at what our media is creating and where it's leading our culture. But, and, you can, and the automatic response might be isolation, isolation, yeah. put them in a, put them in a plastic bubble. But, but the fact is that it there was re- that movie in the seventies. You remember That's that? That's right. The, the boy, <laughs> in, the boy bubble. in the bubble. Uh, but the, the fact is that as we've said over and over, it all comes down to really comes down to the communication that you have, that open communication line that you have with your kids, no matter what their age, uh, to being able to talk to them, being able to, to relate to the world they're in, and to discuss a lot of these things that we've talked about today, and and, and especially uh, the spiritual points that we've raised. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I love it. You know that communication is so important, Bob. And I love the way Kristen talked about how she does it. She talked about with her kids, even young kids, engaging in a dialogue, not a monologue. I love how Kristen said. Right. She said, "Now, what do you do in this situation?" And then she listened. And we as parents sometimes, I found myself. If I could go back, one of the things I did so much is I did so much more lecturing than listening. And I love that she, you know, asks 
her son, you know, like, no, what do you do? You know, I breathe. I listen to my Apple watch and I breathe, you know, <laughs> and, 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 that's, and that's good that, you know, that, that you're, that you're dialoguing with them. And Hey, how did you feel when this happened? Hey, what's something you can do? Hey, what did we learn last night when we were reading this in scripture? You know, mm. so have those dialogues. Yeah. So our, our VP actually said something in one of our meetings that I thought was super interesting with his kids. He uses um, a journal or a notebook, and he'll leave it in the room, and they can write what they're feeling if they feel like they can't say it mm. out loud. And if you've ever met our VP, he's like probably the best parent in the world, and I don't even understand how he parents so well. But he <laughs> says stuff that I'm like, I've never even thought of that. But that was a super helpful thing because I'm like, man, there were so many things as a teenager I didn't want to talk about out loud. It was embarrassing or shameful. But if I could have written it down and waited for a response and we could have handled it differently, I think that would have helped a lot too. Hmm. Well, what I love about this conversation is that it's been a natural segue from talking about how entertainment influences our feelings to the real world, right? The nitty gritty of how we as parents really try to do the hard work of helping our kids learn about their emotions, understand when it's appropriate to, you know, express them when they're acting out. My 14 year old had a complete meltdown this week. I mean, Mm -hmm. like yelling, we're not listening and stomping down to his room and, and we gave him some time to cool off and he came back up and he said, I'm sorry, I got so emotional. And I said, you know, but the emotions are not the problem. It's okay to feel disappointment. He was really disappointed about Mm. the decision that we had made. Mm. It is okay to have a strong emotional response to something that happens. I said, where, where we need to keep working together is where do we go from there? You know, how do you respond to that emotion? How do you, um, how do you deal with that? And I think when we're dealing with entertainment, Oftentimes we don't get that kind of modeling in so much yeah. of what we're seeing on the big screen, on the small screen in songs. The only thing we get is that strong feeling is all there is and it's yeah. all that all that matters. So good. But the reality is, you know, there are consequences for the choices that we make. And and in the real world, it's not scripted according to a Hollywood happily ever after ending. We have to to deal with that. And so I hope that as we have talked today. This has given you some ideas uh, in terms of how you have conversations with your kids. As parents, we know that lots of junk food tastes good in the moment. And even left to my own devices, <laughs> if I could have one food that had all of the you know nutrients <laughs> in it, I would just eat Reese's Peanut Butter Cups all day long. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, but we know that we can't live on Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and, and we're trying to help our kids good. learn that even as Hollywood sometimes works against us. And so, you know, something similar is true when it comes to our entertainment. Sometimes it tempts us to feel good with saccharine sounding words and images that ultimately leave us with a stomach ache. You know, I think of the eighties hair band poison song, don't need nothing but a good time. How can I resist? It's like, okay, it's a great party song, but actually um, we do need more than, a good time yeah. and we do need to learn to resist. Um, and so we know as parents that sometimes the things that feel good in the moment are in fact wrong and potentially life altering and Hollywood sometimes leaves that out. Well, as I mentioned earlier, raising children in this environment is obviously a challenge because we're bombarded with feel good messages 
that conveniently leave out stuff like consequences or the reality that something can be wrong, even if it feels so right. So how can we help our kids steer away from that pernicious lie? Uh, We've been talking about that today, but I think a simple thing that we can do is just to have and to cultivate conversation when we're engaging with media together. So if you're watching a movie or a TV show, um, take that opportunity to practice spotting lies. And we can do that with really simple questions like, well, what do you think would happen if somebody actually did that in real life? You know, that that one's a, might let the air out of some things yeah, in yeah. terms of drama. But but OK, let's let's work this through. What happens if somebody does that? What do you think would happen to these characters after the credits roll? And how do you think their decisions might have affected them. Um, this is a tangent and, and not an endorsement, but my wife and I just got done watching the Netflix series Cobra Kai, which takes place 30 years after the events of The Karate Kid. Now, it's got mm-hmm. a lot of language, quite a bit of innuendo, <laughs> and a lot of karate. So uh, it's not a blanket recommendation. But one of the things I like about the show is they actually show what happens after the credits roll hmm. and the trajectory these characters' lives have taken. And in a lot of ways, it's pure Hollywood fantasy. But in some ways, it's pretty realistic because they're dealing with day-to-day reality. And so that's just an interesting uh, sort of side note on that. And then another question would be, what do you think Scripture says about some of the emotionally-based decisions these characters made? If we can take a step back and make an observation we can see how scripture critiques the choices they're making. Whereas what we're watching or listening to may not do that at all. So asking these simple concrete questions models the process of discernment and it invites our kids to participate in that conversation as well as learning to think critically and discerningly for themselves. And you know, it's work. It is work. We we have to admit. Absolutely. That it's not always play and easy and yeah. games, you yeah. know, and the fact is that ties into this topic too. Yep. Because it doesn't always feel good to take the time and put in the effort. Right. But it's the right thing to do. That is absolutely right, Bob. And mm-hmm. I love that you've, you've made that point here. Well, we hope our conversation today has given you some ideas on how to engage with this conversation with your children. We would also love to hear from you. You know, we've taken some time to identify uh, movies and TV shows and songs that have problems. What are the ones that you would put on your list? Uh, And how have you helped your own children or grandchildren to navigate these ideas? Let us know by giving us a shout out on Facebook or Instagram. And Kristen, you and I were talking, uh, what is our Instagram uh, page for Plugged In? Yeah. Okay. So it is Plugged In Team. So don't look up Plugged In. Go to Plugged In Team to find us on Instagram. Plugged In Team singular? Yes. Okay. And likewise, you can shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Well, as always, we hope The Plugged In Show has been a catalyst for you to go deeper in thinking about popular culture, your entertainment habits, and how those choices potentially influence your faith and worldview and that of your children as well. And as our thank you for being a part of The Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would also love to send you a copy of Focus on the Family Vice President Danny Huerta, and he's the one that Kristen was talking about, his new book, Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. You'll find a link to order that book, as well as links to everything else we've talked about here today in our plugged-in blog entry for this week's episode. 
On behalf of our entire team, I want to say thanks so much for listening today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In.